Where there is ambiguity, there's often confusion. Things aren't clear. The waters become muddied. Ambiguous statements or actions can send mixed messages. There are times where ambiguity can be a good thing. You're Art teacher gives you a piece of paper and says, draw on it, right? It, gives, it allows create, creativity to come about. But other times, ambiguity should not be tolerated. Last year, just about around this time, after I got assigned to St. Mary's, I drove from Aurora to Mokina here to meet Father Dindo, and he's going to show me around, uh, show me the office, the church, the rectory, show me where my office was going to be. And when I came down, I remember pulling up in the driveway of the rectory, and it was a bad, you know, bad weather, raining out, so Father Dindo's wearing a jacket, and it was a Cubs jacket. And he proceeded to tell me that he was a Cubs fan, and he proceeded to tell me that throughout this year. Well, Tuesday, Tuesday he comes into my office, and I look up, and he's wearing a White Sox shirt. I said, I said, what are you wearing? He said, a sock shirt. I said, I see that. Why are you wearing that? He said, well, parishioners see me wearing cub, shirt, you know, cub shirts around. I think it's important for them to see me wearing a white sock shirt. I said, no, it's not. <laughs> Father Dindo is sending mixed messages. And now I'm confused. This is a case where ambiguity should not be tolerated. If ambiguity is not to be tolerated there, it certainly shouldn't be tolerated with regards to the Eucharist. John Paul II once said, the Eucharist is too great a gift to tolerate ambiguity. 75% of Catholics don't believe in the true presence of the Eucharist. When that study goes to a smaller subset of people, younger people, those that are 40 years and younger, 80% of 40 and younger don't believe in the true presence of the Eucharist. In other words, it's getting worse. In other words, that's not a sign of a healthy church. Clearly, there is confusion about the nature and the meaning of the Eucharist. So on this solemnity of Corpus Christi, where we acknowledge that Jesus' true presence in the Eucharist, Let's not tolerate ambiguity, but rather let's create clarity by reestablishing two things. Now, I had a list of 10 things. I narrowed it down to two. You're welcome. <laughs> Eucharist as sacrifice and proper reception of the Eucharist. So first, Eucharist as sacrifice. Over the last few decades, there's been an emphasis of talking about the Eucharist as a meal of fellowship, talking about gathering around a table and talking about gathering around a table rather than an altar or having a presider of the mass uh, rather than saying priest. Now, those two words, presider and altar, or presider and table can be used but there's a difference between a table and an altar. A table, you can do many things on a table. You eat on a table. You do your homework on a table. An altar, however, is a place of sacrifice. 
a presider, a presider can do, be a presider of many different things. You can preside at a graduation ceremony. You can preside at a prayer service. But a priest offers sacrifice. That's what he does. And so also over the last number of decades, there's been an increased number of songs written for the Mass and sung at the Mass that have been more focused on fellowship, on, other, on, on our neighbor, even upon ourselves rather than focus on God and worship of him. Now, all these are good things, and the Mass has a communal element to it. There's a horizontal element to the Mass that cannot be dismissed. But that can't be all what Mass is, and it can't be what the emphasis of the Mass is. The Eucharist is sacrifice. It's a memorial sacrifice. Our second reading today, we hear from the book of Hebrews, verses 11 and 12, says this, Christ, the high priest, entered once for all into the sanctuary. Now, we've been talking about this the last number of months, about how Jesus died, rose from the dead, and then ascended, and now sits at the right hand of the Father to intercede on our behalf, to plead on our behalf. But he goes on here to says. He's once and all into the sanctuary, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. So Jesus' one perfect sacrifice is thus eternally presented to the Father. And the Father eternally accepts that sacrifice. Now, this is the sacrifice that saves our sins made it impossible for us to share in the life of God. That's the point of the Christian life, is to share in the life of God. Our sins have made it impossible for that. So Jesus Christ was sent to get a, rid of that obstacle. And his death then was a sacrifice, an atonement for our sins. The Eucharist is a memorial of that sacrifice. Now, this is where it's important to not have ambiguity. When we use that word memorial, if we heard the word memorial in our opening prayer, we hear it throughout the Mass. We'll hear it at the preface. We'll hear it during the Eucharistic prayer. When we hear memorial, oftentimes we think of just remembering. Coming off the cusp of Memorial Day, today being June 6th, the anniversary of our troops, allied troops storming the beaches of Normandy, on Memorial Day, we call to mind, we remember those that have sacrificed their lives. We pray for them, we honor them, we call them to mind. But that's not the Mass, that's not the Eucharist. When the, when the church uses the word memorial, the Eucharist, the Mass, represents to the Father the sacrifice that was made on Calvary 2,000 years ago and is represented at every single Mass on every altar. So when the priest elevates the host, and host comes from the Latin word hostia, which means sacrificial victim. So when I elevate the host here, and you'll be on your knees, you're looking at the body of whom offered himself for the atonement for our sins. Now, if that wouldn't be gift enough or privileged moment enough, 
of every mass of being able to set our eyes and gaze upon him of which that offered sacrifice. He then commands to give himself for us to feed on, to eat, which brings us to proper reception. At weddings and funerals, oftentimes, of course, at weddings and funerals, there's many people from different faiths, from different denominations, from different philosophies and thoughts. And oftentimes, or all the time, at funerals and weddings, we'll make an announcement, something similar to, you've probably heard it if you if you come to a, a funeral or a mass at a Catholic church, saying that those that are, are non-practicing Catholic, those that are not practicing Catholics, or not in a state of grace, should not receive the host. But rather, you're invited to come forward and cross your arms over your chest to receive a blessing. Now, numerous times over the course of four years, maybe after the funeral or after the mass or phone call, emails later on, it's, Father Mark, I had my friend with me. I felt that was extremely rude for you to say. It wasn't inclusive. It wasn't warm and inviting. See, but our disposition matters when we receive the Eucharist. The church gives us instructions on in how we are to receive the Eucharist when we come forward. Namely, Paul does when he's writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He gives instructions right after he gives the institution account. He says the Lord took the bread, gave it, said take this, all of you, and eat of it. He gives the institution narrative, and then he gives these instructions. He says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. And then verse 30. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some of you have died. The primary effect of receiving the Eucharist is transformation. We become more like Christ when we receive the Eucharist. Like That's the effect of the Eucharist, is communion. We, we call it communion. It's to be in communion with the divine. And yet, Paul is telling, telling this community, many of you are weak and ill, and some of you are even spiritually dead because you're receiving the Eucharist. It's like, wait, what? Because they're receiving unworthily, Paul says. We only receive the benefits of the Eucharist, of which there are many, when we are in right disposition of mind and heart. That is, we come with faith and in a state of grace. So if we come up to receive the Eucharist just haphazardly, we don't receive the benefits. It doesn't stop the Eucharist from being the Eucharist. It doesn't stop being Jesus. But we don't receive the benefits. That's, at the, that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is if we don't come and if we don't examine ourselves before Paul says, and we knowingly and intentionally receive, we're making ourselves sick and spiritually dead, Paul says. 
Now, it's important for us not to be scrupulous here. The Eucharist is not for perfect people who don't sin. Those people don't exist. The Eucharist is a place for healing. It is, the Eucharist is for sinners. Catechism quotes St. Ambrose, who speaks of the Eucharist as a remedy for sin. He says this, Because I always sin, I always have a remedy, referring to the Eucharist. Though it is not ordered, the Catechism says, to the forgiveness of mortal sins, which is proper to the sacrament of reconciliation. That should make us pause and say, have I been receiving the Eucharist without examining myself before I receive? So as to not be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord, as Paul says. What does profaning mean? Profaning just means taking something that is sacred and making it ordinary. So, it's treating the Eucharist more so like a slice of birthday cake than it is the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. God wants us to be in communion with him. That's why he sent us his son to die on the cross. That's why he gives us himself in the Eucharist to feed upon. When we come forward today to receive the Eucharist, let us come forward differently today, this morning, to come with a belief that receiving him can transform my life. 